Welcome to the GRC Professional Podcast, where we discuss all things GRC. Look, I think it's probably fair to say, um, I think generally, really, it's, it's not just from an industry perspective in terms of, you know, companies, or it could be in terms of financial institutions um, or, or non-banks. I mean, even the consumer, for example, you know, if you look at serious crimes out there, it's obviously just not money laundering and terrorist financing, we're seeing a lot of scams. You know, this is a, um, I suppose this is a medium that can be easily used to scam people. Welcome to the GRC Professional Podcast. My name is Kwame Slusher. I'm the editor at the GRC Institute. And today we're having a bit of a chat with Julian Hun, our financial crime professional, <laughs> one of our directors. Hi, Julian. How are you doing? Morning, Kwame. I'm good. Thank you. Uh, so on this very windy day, I don't know if it's windy either in Brisbane, certainly here is in uh, Sydney, um, we're going to talk a little bit about digital currencies and I know the timing of this, so a lot of you would have watched the Four Corners program around crypto. We don't plan to go into that detail or more looking at the, the risks, um, maybe the financial crime risks in this particular space. So, Julian, I'm just going to throw it over to you very generally. Um, why do you think this is a critical area and what are some of the risks that you're seeing arising in this space? Um, I think it's a real critical area for financial crime practitioners and certainly for regulators globally. Um, <clears throat> obviously, we're seeing significant advances in technology um, globally, you know, in terms of innovation, in terms of efficiency, and it's, it's, all, it's all really good stuff. You know, it's obviously um, helping organisations, helping regulators uh, become uh, more effective in terms of their knowledge and in, term, in terms of, um, obviously, business solutions. However, it's, it's also fair to say, obviously, with the advancement of new technologies and, and the sheer speed, it does present an opportunity for, um, you know, for a number of people out there, be it money launderers, terrorist finance, to take advantage. And take advantage, I suppose, from a, different, a number of different areas. Firstly, the potential, the possibility of uh, poor regulation or lack of regulation. And I, and I think probably more, more importantly, certainly in my space, is around the lack of understanding. Some of these areas in cryptocurrencies and digital assets are really, really advanced and really complicated. And certainly in my career, I don't pretend to obviously be a, you know, be a digital assets um, expert um, in, in terms of understanding the vulnerabilities, et cetera. But I think it's really important for many of us to understand the landscape and understand what does that look like from, from a holistic perspective. And essentially what I mean by that is like a top-down approach. So understanding the basics. Understanding, you know, where are those risks and what are the, and what are the, some things that we actually need to consider? Because yeah. essentially it's a new technology. Uh, so, you know, obviously we're speaking from a risk and compliance perspective. So what are, are there any particular industries that you think are particularly susceptible? I know in the past we've talked about banks de-risking digital currencies, Bitcoin exchanges because, you know, they, the lack of regulatory certainty. And of course that was before the anti-money laundering and, Counter-Terrorist Financing Act sort of expanded to include them um, to, to hopefully give that regulatory certainty. But are there any industries that you, you think are operating in that space or peripheral to that space who don't understand the risks? Look, I think it's probably fair to say, um, I think generally, really, it's, it's not just from an industry perspective in terms of, you know, companies or it could be in terms of financial institutions um, or, or non-banks. I mean, even the consumer, for example, you know, if we look at serious crimes out there, it's obviously just not money laundering and terrorist financing. We're seeing a lot of scams. You know, this is a, um, I suppose this is a medium that can be easily used to scam people. Um, I even read an article recently around tax evasion. And, you know, we know that the ATO is going to be aggressive this year. They've made that very public. That they won't, that, that they will focus on tax evasion because as you can, 
as you can appreciate, there are many investors in this space. Yep. Many, and many of these investors do not understand the tax implications in terms of capital gains, in terms of income. So I think it affects everybody. Um, certainly, certainly in my area around around thin crime, it's it's good to see that many of the organisations and regulators globally have been very very active in this space. Um, <clears throat> we know Austrac obviously regulated um, currency providers back in 2018, so that's 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 four years ago now as a designated service. Uh, we, know the, we know the Reserve Bank of Australia, we know the OECD, uh, FATF, so the Financial Action Task Force have been really vocal in the space and it's been, it's been great to see. Uh, and even if you go into their recommendations, uh, I think it's recommendation 15 around new technologies, um, they specifically call this out. So it's, it's, it's certainly a key policy prevention uh, and something for, for many regulators globally to think about as a, um, you know, as a, as a risk around new technologies. Um, and FATF released the paper back in 2021 around the risk-based approach. Yeah. And, and, and that's a really interesting read in terms of how to apply the risk-based approach in this space. And I think they released the paper the previous year around red flags. Austrac released guidance, um, I think it was probably back in April of this year, <clears throat> and that guidance was specifically around um, preventing the criminal abuse of digital currencies. And they made it very clear in that paper that you... Anybody who's involved or exposed to this industry, be it directly or indirectly, should actually review and adopt that, that particular guidance. So that's, that's obviously something that you want to consider if you're in this space around um, you know, potential defence. At the same time, we saw APRA release uh, something very similar yeah. from, a, from a prudential perspective. And, it's, and, and, and these guidance notes are really practical um, and very easy, <clears throat> very easy to read. And really practical information around what are some of the red flags, um, you know, what are some of the behavioural and financial indicators that you need to consider. So it's it's kind of material that you could look at and actually consider and then implement that within your respective AML programs. And there's some really interesting ones out there around red, you know, red flag indicators. And much of the red flag indicators and controls are basically are kind of bread and butter. It's around you know segregation. It's around source of funds, source of wealth, around transactions, etc. So it's much of the risks around cryptocurrencies and digital assets, I would like to think as practitioners we can build and we can build and probably design our own um, program and controls and systems around that. Where it becomes a little bit more challenging is obviously around the transactions and the transactions patterns. But I think to answer your question, it's been, um, it's been widely received as a potential risk. Um, globally and also here in Australia. And, um, and many of these regulators, it's basically just an awareness piece. So, you know, be very conscious, be mindful of what, of the risks around these new technologies and, um, and, and put some thought into it in terms of identifying, mitigating and obviously preventing, uh, you know, potential financial crime risks through these, um, through, through digital assets. And we've seen a lot around tax evasion. We've seen an awful lot around scams and ransomware. And there's also, uh, I read an interesting article quite recently in the last month or two where I think um, there's talk about the Russians using um, uh, digital assets to circumvent, obviously, sanction requirements as well. And yeah. if you look at it, you're basically converting something, right, from a, a government issue, uh, I suppose, ca- currency or um, yeah. to a digital currency. So it's... it's um, it, it does meet all the hallmarks of a, you know, of a good money laundering scheme where you you have illicit funds and then you obviously um, move that move that through the system in terms of you know converting those illicit funds into into digital assets, 
and then obviously layering it and then in, and then integrating it back into say standard currency. So um, I think it's a very interesting space at this time, to, certainly to be in. Yeah, and of course you mentioned, I guess on a global level, the Financial Action Task Force and their recommendations as well. You, you spoke a bit about Austrac and, and APRA. And I guess from a regulatory perspective and from those those who are sort of acting in those in those peripheries, is there, I guess, any regulatory risk in the sense that will there be increased regulation? Obviously, we know that the AML CTF has expanded to include digital currencies. And you mentioned that APRA and Austrac have also published practical advice in that space. Do, do you think there is more regulation in that space? Do you think that is what regulators are thinking to do to sort of mitigate the risk maybe just to the Australian financial economy and that kind of thing? Look, it's a it's an interesting question, and I don't know the ins and outs to say we need more regulation. We definitely need more understanding. Yeah. And and I think as financial crime practitioners, you know, we do need to have a good understanding around around those risks and ensuring we had a program and we have controls and systems to identify, you know, where those risks are. Um, I think it would be I think it would be wrong to start yeah. de-risking, and I think you alluded to this earlier, and we've seen this before where obviously de-risking to a certain extent is just displacing it to someone else. Yeah. It could be moving it, you know, from a, from a, from a top-tier bank to a second-tier bank with obviously less, you know, less sophistication around the controls and systems. So I think we need to be very careful how, how, how we look at these, and we shouldn't necessarily just say no and de-risk. Obviously, that's, that's not particularly helpful, but I think understanding it and obviously trying to obtain guidance and, um, you know, there's some really good guidance written up. I think it's Chapter 20 or 21 by the Joint Money and Ordinance Steering Guidance Committee in the UK yeah. that talks about some of the things you need to look at. And that's obviously looking at the regulator status. It's looking at whether it's decentralised, cross-border, you know, third parties, et cetera. So I think I think there's, there's, there's possibly an opportunity to, to be – to probably improve the regulatory focus. Yeah. Um, but I can't comment too much on that. Um, yeah. I think it's probably more – more around awareness and obviously training and ensuring that you actually have a team that obviously has the ability to build into their risk assessments and, and just be more knowledgeable around the, uh, I suppose, criminal abuses. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure. And I guess you, in, with the advice earlier, that thing, I guess, from Oztrack is always, you know, you have these sets of this guidance and the set of topologies of particular behaviours, but of course that's not the end all and be all. Um, there could be other behaviours that Austrac hasn't captured yet within their guidance, so it's up to your team to sort of be able to to, to suss out patterns of behaviour. Oh, absolutely. You know, the Austrac guidance is pretty good guidance, but it's it's also quite quite high level and you know quite generic. And as I mentioned earlier, it, it is a good document because it does outline the the kind of behaviour and financial crime indicators such as around IDV and source of funds and source of wealth. So it's very consistent to the FATF kind of um, uh, recommendations and, um, and suggestions in terms of how to prevent uh, criminal activity. But, you know, if I was going to advise a bank or if I had a team, for example, I, wouldn't, I personally wouldn't want to be the SME in this space. Yeah. As long as I understand the landscape and understand the risks, I think it's important to have a couple of staff, depending on the size of the organisation, that are, that are trained and fully understand the risks in this space and obviously use them as the SMEs. But it's it's something we should embrace. Yeah. Um, it's something we should embrace and obviously use to our advantage. But at the same time, and I touched on this earlier, it is a new technology. We're seeing innovation and efficiency in this space, but it's moving so fast, it's very difficult to keep on top of. And as I mentioned earlier, you know, FedF does, does regard the virtual assets 
within the same category is basically uh, additional measures within those recommendations. Yep. So it's it's in the same category as ECDD around PEPs and money service businesses. So what they're saying is financial institutions need to be very very cognizant yep. around virtual assets and what does that actually mean and. Um, one of the things I'm looking at now and I've been looking at for quite some time now is obviously building new technologies into risk assessments. Yeah. So, you know, when the organisations out there and, and reporting entities consider the basics, customer jurisdiction, et cetera, look at new technologies. You can either have new technologies as a as a separate category or you can or you can build it into, you know, say a product, for example, delivery. Yeah. But we'll be seeing a lot more of this and, and um as a you know, as a practitioner in this space, uh this is an emerging, you know, it's an emerging risk. But it's only emerging risk if we don't fully understand it. So it's it's a matter of getting out there, reading the material. There's plenty of material out there, and obviously you know understanding those risks and ensuring you have a program in place that can clearly call those out and having controls in place to mitigate it. But I think the de-risking is is not the way to go. I think that's being somewhat ignorant. Yeah. I think we should embrace it, but obviously um, upskill our knowledge in the, in this area. And really final question, you mentioned new technologies and more importantly, you mentioned teams. And just like we've spoken about in the past about skill sets required to dealing with sanctions, I want if we could apply it to this situation with the risks associated with digital currencies. Um, other than understanding the new technologies, of course, are there any special skill sets that a financial crime team would need to be able to sort of follow those track guidance and sort of mitigate the, the risks to their own organization? So I think the I think the way to do this, and this is what I'm kind of looking at, is obviously reading the paper, reading the news out there, understanding from a practical perspective and operationally. But many financial crime teams are not going to have SMEs in this space. You may have an SME that's obviously personally personally involved in terms of showing interest. Yeah. But I think reaching out to other departments, and obviously that that really depends on on, on how large your organisation is. But but you know, like tapping into cybersecurity, you know, tapping into technology. There'll be many other departments out there and people within the organisation that will have a much better understanding of the technology yeah. than we will as, as financial crime practitioners. And I think that's really key. As you know, as, as AML practitioners, it's trying to understand the ins and outs and the workings and mechanics of cryptocurrencies and digital assets. It's probably not going to happen for many of us. It's actually having a having a framework in place and obviously being aware to, uh, aware of those risks and building that into the risk assessment. But I think I think you'd be naive to think that we can do this ourselves. You need to liaise with other departments, um, technology, cybersecurity, transactional monitoring, etc. So it's much more than just FinCrime. FinCrime is a very small part of it. So I'd probably see us as an enabler or certainly as a team that will support other other departments. Well, excellent. Thank you so much for your time today, Julian. Thank you, Kwame. This podcast was a production of the Governance Risk and Compliance Institute, and the music was produced by Rob Neary.